Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up next, we got Peggy Rose Dowd from Charleston Public Safety. And in this episode, we talk about how important social competence is and how she started off at one part of her career and then evolved up into the position she is now all through social competence. Um, so we want to take a, 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 a dive into that and talk about that, what that looks like um, being a career professional and also the recruitment, um, what they're looking for to kind of fill some of the career positions needed for public safety. All right, let's get into the interview. I won't take up too much of your time, but we'll go ahead fine. and get started. Um, so thanks for coming on to uh, Triple Threat Podcast. Um, what we do here is we uh, help educate uh, students, student athletes, parents of student athletes, just on the do's and don'ts of how to be a student athlete. And um, and uh, just because of the recent things that happened in our society with athletes, we kind of uh, geared into more of the social competency uh, all around for public safety, student athletes, community, the whole nine. So um, we thank you for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. Um, we get into it as, as reading your bio, we see that you're from um, from Jersey. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, before we get into it, is are there any differences or any any shocks, any changes from being up north coming down <laughs> to the south? <laughs> it was a little different. Some of the wording, like someone told me to grab a buggy once and I had no clue what was going on. <laughs> um, I say use instead of y'all. Yeah. So yeah. things like that. Certain words. My um, hometown was basically a mile by a mile. So everyone thought like me moving here, mm. it would be a lot smaller than what I had there when actually it's a lot bigger. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, we'd get right into it. Um, and I, I call you Peggy. Is it OK to say Peggy or Peggy Rose sometimes? Whichever you prefer. Okay. Neither right. cool. bother me. <laughs> so um, my question to you, uh, Peggy, is... Um, what is social competency and, and, and what it, does it mean to you? Well, for me, especially from I was the previous recruiter before being the community engagement coordinator for us. But it's just kind of showing, again, we go back to those basic life skills, interviewing, how to treat each other and through the community, whether it be on a basketball team or in an office. It all connects down to the, the core of everything and the core of the person's being as well. For sure. I'm going to give a definition of what Google says uh, social competence, competence is. 
Um, it consists of the social, emotional, cognitive, and behavioral skills needed for a successful social adaptation. Social competence also reflects having the ability to take another's perspective concerning a situation, learn from the past experiences, and apply that learning to the changes in social interactions. So that's the definition. And um, the next question is, what are some of your experiences that help you um, shape your social competency? I would say I always pride my parents on this one. I mean, I'm blessed. I have the two best parents in the world. I'll be the first to <laughs> say that. And just how I grew up, all of that, especially even working in Charleston County and just seeing and getting to learn from my coworkers, my bosses, how they pride themselves on wanting to help better the community, telling me their past experiences of where they used to work to now and how they got there and that whole process, who helped them along the way and how that made an impact on them in their future. And you might not know you saying hello to someone that day and saying, hey, did you know about this resource or this job opportunity? That could change their whole life just because someone took the time to acknowledge them and educate them. I, I totally agree. Um, in, in reading your bio and talking about social competency, I want to just pick up some things that I want you to just to, you know, relate to. Um we work with student athletes on being adaptable and also problem solving. You moved to, to the Charleston right before the pandemic and you ex was expected to work in the hospitality industry. Um, when that didn't work due to the state of the world, COVID, you pivoted into a new role in public safety. Um, tell us about that process and how you were able to socially adapt per se. I'll be the first to say I never expected to end up in public safety. I love it. It's a blessing. But my whole plan was to be an event coordinator for hotels, wedding venues. I love everything that involves planning, which kind of helped me to where I am now, mm -hmm. which I didn't realize that public safety in the end is a giant wheel of event planning. Mm. How can we better prepare? How can we better help the community? So it's just doing it on a different scale. The pandemic definitely, like everyone else in the world, threw me for a loop. I didn't expect to be on lockdown at 911, where I was still working during the whole pandemic. To me, nothing really changed in that aspect. I was never remote. I always went into the office. So it kept that normalcy for me. But a big thing that, too, when... So I used to do interviews for 911. Mm -hmm. And a big thing I really try to connect, especially with younger people just out of high school, a lot of our interview questions are behavior based. Mm. So sometimes they have trouble coming up with examples. Like one of the questions would be, name a time you had trouble with someone in the workplace. How did you handle that? What did you do to work past that? A lot of younger people struggle with that because they might not have the work experience. Mm. But during the interview, I tell them you can use, maybe you were on a basketball team and you didn't like the point guard and you didn't want to pass the ball to him to get that shot. You wanted to make it. Use that as an example, because in the end, you may relate that to a work experience in the future. Hey, I really don't like this coworker, but we got to get this project done. We can get through it together. And it goes back to that social competence. It all connects in the long run. Definitely. And that's come some of the things we do with role playing. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes kids, you know, the conflict resolution becomes a problem because it's a new experience for them. They never really mm -hmm. 
really experienced or even seen this type of adversity. So what, what shaping um, helps is when they see those situations again, they revert back to what's right. They revert, revert back to what they've been told and how they should handle situations. So yeah, I totally second you when it comes to come to that situation. Mm-hmm. In today's time of message, we got Chucky Robinson. Basically, I knew my calling call was uh, I can run the floor, like you said, finish around the basket. Um, I didn't have a jump shot. Um, I, I thought in my mind I was a I was a I was a good passer, so I had that down. I can dribble on a straight line uh, mm-hmm. to the basket with the ease. Right. So now I had to redefine my game. Of um, in college, I shot a little bit, 15, 16 foot jumper. So I knew certain things I had to add to my game. So I started working on my game a lot, individualized, staying in the gym, uh, working on my 15 and 17, 17 foot jump shot. Um, you know, going to the basket left, um, left hand. So I had to work on some things that, you know, that if you wanted to be the same player that you were in high school, it wasn't going to work at the next level. Now let's get back to the interview. You started as a telecommunicator, answering um, non-emergency calls. Then you worked your way up to various roles. Um, what can you tell young adult job seekers about starting entry-level positions and moving up through the ranks? I think a lot of people have the same common misconception with an entry-level position. They just think, oh, it's an entry-level job, whatever. I'm just getting paid clock in, clock out. The upper management, your bosses, your directors for organizations, they notice it. Mm. They notice that you're on time. They notice that, hey, you're willing to help or learn something new to take something else off someone's plate. They see all that. So no matter if you're starting at the very bottom or you're all the way up at the top, you have to go in with that same mindset of I'm here to work, I'm here to make a difference, and I'm here to make today a better day. That's awesome. And and you got to, and you hit it right on the head. I think people don't want to start at a small level. Mm -hmm. I always say small steps equals big results, right? Yes. And um, when we first met, um, back in when we started Safety Day, you wasn't in the mm-hmm. role, right? No. What role were you in at that time? At that time, I was the Charleston County Consolidated 911 Center's recruiter. So I was my, what I used to tell people was I hired heroes for a living. <laughs> so that was the fun part of my job. But then I ended up working my way to this role. Right. And, and, and now that- it's, I get to help all the different departments, not just 911 for public safety. And you said, and you hit it right on the head as well, again, about being on time, um, uh, being like responsive and being present and, and and showing the upper management that you want to succeed and do other things. Those things are huge. Like you said, everybody's always watching you all the time. And then, too, I was always brought up that if you're not early, you're late. Exactly. And- Even for interviews, I would take note, like if someone showed up 15 minutes early and they're like, hey, I'm a little early, sorry. I'm like, no, that's great. And I notate it because that's a quality you don't really put down in an application, but it's something I can see throughout the hiring process. For sure. And I I say to people all the time, whoever listening, that yeah, if you're always on time, always on time, you got a little room for error if once or twice you're Mm -hmm. kind of late because 
that's not your common your your common practice. So it's it's very important to always have your best foot forward all the time. Um, so many people get discouraged about the pay opposition when they start a new career. Um, what was difficult for you, like starting off and you know understanding that this is not where you want to be. This is where I'm thinking I'm going to change in a couple of years, months, what have you. Like how how do you deal with understanding where you are and then also knowing one day I'm going to move up. What, what were your intentions, you know, considering that? Once I realized, I would especially say that the recruiter role opened at 911 and I really wanted to strive to get that one. I mean, I made probably 10 different resumes and <laughs> I just reread everything to try to get it perfect for me. And that's just another thing. You got to want that next level, that next job, that next career move, whether it be professional growth, personal growth, you have to put in the work to get to that point. And I knew with that would come maybe a better salary or better opportunities or different ways that I could pitch my ideas that I've had from the beginning. And that's what happened. But I took those, like you said, those little steps to get to that big result. And sometimes it's even good. I always tell people, make a chart, write down where you want to be in a year, six months. And in between that, put little steps of, hey, I could do, I could get to this goal by six months. I could get to this goal by 12 months. And it kind of doesn't make it seem as big of steps because you're doing those little things in between. And you can see all the great progress you've made. That's awesome. Um, I was reading something while I was watching the video on social media and it talked about someone doing a resume. And someone, I think it was young lady was a caregiver where she really didn't have a whole lot of job experiences, right? But the recruiter or the person, the career person, she correlated what that young lady was doing as far as being a leader, like uh, understanding how to problem solve, dealing with kids, right? So yeah. no matter what you do for a living, it's all these different skill sets that can be transferred into other different other jobs. Yes. Which, had... which, give, give us some feedback on that. So I've had stay-at-home moms, a lot of them apply once their kids are maybe in middle school, high school, at that age where they can kind of sustain themselves when they get home from school, make themselves lunch, dinner, whichever. And they always apply and go, I don't really have, I haven't had job experience in the last 10 years I've been a stay-at-home mom. And I go, no, that is job experience. You've managed a household, mm. you do budgeting, mm. you career advancements is your kids, they're different milestones. You got them there. Mm. That is a job that is important. And don't sell yourself short on that. Right. And that's something that because that's a know. job that never ends. Right. And that people that you don't know, they, they think that, well, I'm applying for this job. I'm looking at the job description. I don't have any experiences. I don't fit. And what you're mm -hmm. seeing is, is compare, first of all, understand and uh, your value to what you're already doing, find out those skill sets that kind of apply them to the job that you're looking for, right? And even to student athletes, they go, well, I've been an athlete all through high school. I didn't really have time for a job. And I said, no, but you showed up to practice, right? Mm. You showed up to games. Maybe you didn't even play that game, but you were there to support your team. Mm. You practice on your own time at home and you right. work in better yourself, time management, working with a team, those are all good qualities that you just need to correlate to the job you want. And and just to piggyback on that, because I am an athlete and I tell mm -hmm. companies all the time, hiring an a, a athlete, a student athlete is huge for the company because, yes. you know, if you had a bad game on Monday, tomorrow we got to come to practice. 
So you got to shake it those off. emotions and just getting back to the job at hand, dealing with our teammates, that's coworkers, dealing mm-hmm. with our, co- our, our boss, which is our coach, right? Being yeah. on time, like all those things are very important. We develop so much skill sets through our lives that we don't really know how to transform to other, other areas. And this time our message, we got Coach Ben Betts. In particular, as a head coach, I wanted to make sure, one, that I treated everybody fairly. That's, that's very, very important to me. Uh, but also that I interacted with everybody in the same sense where one, that they understand and know that they have value and that they're important. Mm. Uh, So, you know, when I got to South Carolina State, um, there were some really good players that that, that stayed, but also because at the time, we were dealing with some APR issues when I got the job at South Carolina State. So I had to take on some walk-ons. Right. And those walk-ons helped me win, mm. helped us win. Mm. Uh, so they were really, really valuable. But from one, from the on down the line, it was important. That's just the way I am and how I feel about it. But everybody's important. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has value. Now let's get back to the interview. In working with public safety, um, I've learned so much about public safety, just about the services and support you guys offer. Um, What are some top things that public safety, that the public does not know about um, public safety and that you want to share with the audience? I would say a ton of our free resources. I could send you a flyer later on, too, if you want. It has a QR code, but it brings them to all the free resources public safety safety has to offer, like Smart 911. It's a free online safety profile that you would want first responders to know about you. So basically what happens is it's registered to whatever phone number you put in. When you call 911 with that phone, it'll pop up on our dispatcher screen. Anything you want us to know about your house, pets, allergies, medication you're on, because when you're in that emergency, you might not remember the medication name that's this long in the heat of the moment but it'll all be on that profile. And those dispatchers could type it in the notes to EMS, fire and law enforcement who are going to the scene and they'll know before they even get there. And it's free, you just have to update it once a year. And 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 Peggy, this, and, and this is the reason why I wanted to, to bring you on. And because, you know, back in the days, like I told you before, when I thought about public safety, all I thought about is fire department, right? Yeah. And, it's, and, and because of technology have grown so much, there's so much different resources. Well, before, back in the days, we had a number on a, a magnum refrigerator that you call 911. Yep. Talk about some some um, other um, uh, technology that have advanced that allow um, families to um, to be more advanced and, and knowledgeable. And you, when I met with you earlier before, we talked about like some families don't even know what department to call when they're in the case of no. A- Because there's sometimes they'll call and thankfully it's a non-emergency and they still think they have to call 911 when there's other ways. There's 911helpme.com. You could text 911 in Charleston County if, God forbid, you're in a situation where maybe 
physically you can't speak or you're hiding and it's unsafe for you to speak and they'll text back with you. A lot of people don't know that one. They're used to the whole landline phones connected exactly. to the wall scenario still. Exactly. And what is another even, one as far as technology, like apps, anything that they can use? So another good one, I always recommend people to download every June 1st, and I'm sure everyone in Charleston is sick of hearing it, but the Hurricane Guide, you can actually get it on your phone as well. So you don't need to walk around with the paper version anymore. Mm -hmm. And if you need to know your zone, check on different evacuation routes specifically for your family. Always update that emergency kit every June 1st, just different things like that. It's a good resource. Everything's online for it. You can just check that off through your phone. And then also EMS has an amazing video of hands-only CPR, how to perform it. That's also on our resource page as well. And a lot of people know to do CPR to stay in alive. That's always the one that people go to. But there's also Baby Shark, Crazy in Love by Beyonce, and Spotify <laughs> has a whole CPR playlist, which we hope people never need. But you might see, you can always tell depending at events who you're talking to, if they're going to know it by Staying Alive, Baby Shark, mm. Beyonce. But it helps us hit all those different age brackets of how we can relate it to them. That makes sense. And I always say... I hope you never need these resources. I truly do. But I want you to be prepared as possible in case you do, because then you can say, oh, I learned about this mm. at that event or I saw it on their social media. We could use this. Oh, I heard it on Triple Threat Podcast. And you can use Yes. <laughs> so, um, like I said before, I only was aware of one department in public safety. For the audience that's listening, can you just run down like the other departments. I know I'm putting you on the spot now. No, people, you're good. I, listen, I'm because, a pro at this one by chance. Okay, let's go then. Let's get it. <laughs> so we have it. The Department of Public Safety is an umbrella with six different department, departments underneath it. So we have the Ondal McClellanville Fire Department, mm -hmm. the Charleston County Consolidated 911 Center, Charleston County EMS, Charleston County Emergency Management Department, CJCC, which is our criminal justice. And then we also just added the Tri-County Biological Center, which should be breaking ground, I believe, in 2025 or around that time frame, which it's new. It's exciting. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, because there's a lot of things that people don't know <laughs> well as myself. So I'm, I'm happy that you're, you know, putting us on point. Yes. Um, and all, they all have amazing job opportunities as well. I always like to let people know about that, that Charleston County of course, is always hiring, especially the Department of Public Safety. It's a great opportunity. I know for 911, all you need is a high school diploma or a GED to apply. For fire and EMS, it can be a little bit different, but they're doing great programs with Trident Tech in trying to get people into EMT Academy and just different things like that as well. In today's timeout message, we got Cedric. Weber. For some reason, it always comes comes to that. Like how Coach Chris was able to just dangle dangle something in front of every single person to get the best out of. He'll either do it in front of you, behind your back. It don't matter. But he will dangle something to get the best out of you. But at the same token. He mentally prepared you for it. And, you know, it was up to you 
Right. To uh, like you always said, always fair too. He always was fair. That's right. That's right. It was up to you to figure it out because he was gonna give you that opportunity. Now let's get back to the interview. Well, that's gonna be my next question, and I, I'm glad you jumped to it. Um, but yeah, extensively, um, can you extend a little bit more? Telling them about like, because as a a person looking for a job, the first thing they always will know is, do they have benefits, right? Yes. How do I apply, and what are my requirements? So just a little more talk about that. To yeah, of course. So Charleston County government in general has amazing health, dental, vision benefits, along with other benefits per each department, depending on who you end up with. But in total, they're amazing. We couldn't ask for better. For EMS, they're hiring for EMTs, paramedics, inventory control specialists, each one with different qualifications. To find out more about each job, how to apply for Charleston County government, I always say, especially for Department of Public Safety, you can go to workfor911.com and it'll have all the job postings for Charleston County. But in the top right corner, there's a filter button. So you could filter by department if you want to use 911, fire, EMS. Fire is also currently hiring for firefighters and engineers. 911 is hiring for public safety telecommunicators. Of course, EMS is hiring for EMTs, but it's all those different options. And you could see maybe some require a certification. 911 does not, EMS might, fire might. So you can kind of see what sounds most interesting to you. And they give you a little breakdown of the job, what will happen underneath that, the different qualifications. And then on the right, you can click benefits and it'll list all the benefits mm. as well. Right. And then you can just click in the top right, apply now, and you can add your resume and everything into it as well. Right. And, and guys, Peggy's a living witness of, of working your way up, right? We just talked about that. Mm-hmm. So those, those entry-level positions are lower-level position that's available get in there, right? And work your way up. That's what it's that's what it's all about. And like I said, she's a living witness that it can happen. Um and 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 looking for uh entry level people and, and more employees, what are some of the competencies needed, let's say, to work in public safety? What do you guys look I, for? So I always look for type A personality, someone very organized that helps throughout whether it's a 911 call, setting up scene for the fire department and where to put apparatuses, EMS with medications, just things of that nature, organized, on time, really committed, showing that good character that we talked about earlier, where you just have a passion and you want to help the community. You want your own personal growth throughout the job as well. Like you said, starting at that entry level position and wanting to work your way up, taking courses that are offered or trainings that are offered. We're really big on that as well. There's always different classes that we can take to better ourselves and just learn a little bit more as well. Definitely. Um, and, you know, like, like you know, um, Eric Watson is a good friend of mine, and uh, we appreciate the partnership that you guys have helped us at thus far. Um, how, how, how important it is to work with um, outside community organizations to kind of, you know, reach your audience and, and get the word off of what you're what you're trying to do. Oh, it's so important. I've been so lucky throughout my, I say short career, because it's only really been a full four years, 
but to just know a bunch of different foundations, organizations, because they're the one, they're the heart of the community. And that's that connection for us. When we're out in public, sometimes people have a misconception about public safety or things of that nature. And seeing us out there hanging out, handing out back to school bags, or I mean, I've played soccer games with kids after events just because they were like, hey, we need an extra person. Can you play with us? Sure, because then they see me as a person and not so much as someone they don't really know, or they get a common misconception about 911 telecommunicators. And now it's a good mark left on them. They're like, hey, that person helped us. They were here to participate. They had fun with us. They taught us about this. And it makes a difference. And it could be that impact that we talked about earlier. Definitely. And in closing, we did our, our first event together, Public Safety and Safety Day. And it was a huge, I mean, it was a huge event. We we marketed it for like maybe four or five months and got a whole lot of feedback from it. Um, what was your take on the event? And um, what do you think we can do to, to, to be better at it next year? Oh, we had a blast attending that event. I think it'd be really cool. I've done events similar in the past, but the kids had to do a scavenger hunt throughout the different public safety tables. Mm. So maybe they have to find out information of how often you should change a smoke detector, which mm -hmm. gets them talking to the people at the table instead of just feeling like they have to sit there and listen to me talk the whole time. And it gives them the kind of the doors open for them to ask us other questions that they might felt too shy to before they had to ask a question. That's a good point. We'll, we'll add it to the next one. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, Peggy, we thank you for being on. We thank you for your continued support as we, you know, look to uh, engage the community and, and also educate them on your resources and, and of the departments, which you, um, what you uh, serve our communities for. So again, thank you for coming on and we really appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me and thank you for always thinking of us and including us in everything you guys do. It's an amazing foundation and we couldn't be more grateful to partner with you guys. All right, no problem. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. We want to thank uh, Peggy Rose for coming on and giving us her wealth of knowledge of public safety, um, the the resources that they offer uh, to our communities. And also we will be um, talking to other departments about social competence and their resources as well um, that they provide to the Charleston area. All right. So thanks for engaging. Thanks for following. And uh, we'll be right back. What Jermel is doing with Today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element, to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermel is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program. Because these are the kind of things that every community needs. Looking out for the best interest of a youth. The future of this country is in our youth. And everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful. And, and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jermel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President 
and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Let's see.